All right, here we go. We're starting. <laughs> little little awkward pause there on our end. I didn't, but, uh, I didn't know where you. I thought you were waiting on me for something. It, awkward. It, it, it's always hard to like. How jump do you right start? In, yeah. Just jump right in. Just say you know something. Yeah. But didn't hello. We, didn't we once say that you were going to have something? Maybe that was the ending. Yeah, well, beginning or ending. Beginning or the, something. The scripted yeah. thing never, it, no. it did not flow. Well. You're not a scripted guy, No, man. no. Let's go, you know, off the cuff. Here we <laughs> are. Welcome in, GPS the Guy. Glad that all of you are here watching or listening. Make sure you interact with us. We, we want to hear from you, and we're going to reiterate why we need to hear from you here in just a second. But check out the website, gpstheguide.com. Email us mailroom at gpstheguide.com. You can find us on Instagram. We want to hear from you because Life Hacks, December 7th. We are going to record an episode with Life Hacks, some that you may have seen somewhere and you want us to test out for you. Send those to us. Send us a message on Instagram or mailroom at gpstheguide.com. Email us. Life Hacks, we'll test them out, whatever you want to see. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if we have to buy a lot of stuff, probably ain't going to happen. <laughs> Not going to happen. But if it's pretty cheap and, uh, you know, low cost, we're, we will test that out for you. And we will, whoever sends us a life hack, mm -hmm. we will say who's sending in, oh, what yeah. they, like, yeah. you're going to get a little airtime too. Give them their credit. Absolutely. Yes. Send us your phone number. We may call you while we do it, and you can that be part a, of the action. That is a service we can provide. Absolutely. Yeah. So, life hacks December seventh. We need your ideas before then. So, please uh, help us out because if not, we got to leave it up to Ryan to come up with all these ideas. And, and then I'm which gonna, might I'm be, gonna call which it might be good. It could which be very be entertaining. Good. It no. would be very entertaining. Yeah. It'll be let's make fun of Ryan Day. Well, that's every day. <laughs> I know. Uh, so what's new? Yeah. Speaking of entertaining, let's get straight to the introductions because we yes. have some special guests with us today: Daniel Sanders, Stefano Patterson, Ryan Gotro. And he's a little uh, crowded at his end of the table. We yep. have two special guests with us. <laughs> I mean, let's not oversell it. <laughs> but uh, we have with us Mr. Joe Bruce and Miss Yvonne Bruce. Thank you both for being here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you. We're, we're excited to be here. Well, we are excited for what is coming up, and we know all of you will enjoy this as well. But uh, Joe and Yvonne have a great story to tell, and we're just going to jump right in. I mean, there's no no need to tease this one, fellas. It's not. not got the popcorn not, on this one. No, not not no. at all. But Roll right into it. Let, let's start in the here and now. How long have you two been married? Uh, you didn't know it was going to be a tough <laughs> question. <laughs> he said, do what? He's getting, he's getting <laughs> testing us right off the bat. <laughs> uh, 21 years. 21 right. years. Yeah. Awesome. Doesn't, doesn't Love it. I mean, they don't look 21 years old. No, I mean, no, they don't. That, that's well, a, that's as good as the compliments get. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah. 20, 21 years. So, let I guess let's start with how did you two meet? How did that come about? Okay. Well, our story. Don't don't, don't be shy, Vaughn. Right. I see you poking them. <laughs> she really went. Hey, that's yours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> gave him the nudge. Our, our stories don't match. That's the reason why she's giving me the, the nudge there. Uh, we're 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 both been missionaries for many years, so that's the reason I guess you invited us here, and so we'll start there. We, uh, my family and I uh, went uh, as missionaries with the International Mission Board, and first of all to Honduras in Central America, and, uh, and we served there uh, planting new churches, and I, I worked with the literature ministry and a uh, bunch of other stuff. But anyway, after about ten years there. Uh, 
I was asked to become part of the area administrative uh, team, and uh, that team was in Guatemala. What year was it when you first went to Honduras? It's 19, well, I went to language school in 1970, 1971. You remember mm. that year, Fano? 1971. I was not born in 1971. Yeah, I remember that year very clearly. Thank you. Close. 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 So we've, we've been around a while. Uh, so then after about 10 years, in 81, I uh, became uh, part of the area administrative team, as I mentioned, and went to Guatemala. And um, that's where my family and I met Yvonne. She was there as a single missionary. And I'll let her tell you about that part. And then uh, uh, we'll catch our stories up after that. <laughs> so were you, were you in Guatemala? Is, or is that where you? Well, I started out as a journeyman in the Dominican Republic. And then I, uh, about halfway through my term, I went to Guatemala and then after I graduated from seminary, I returned. I worked in Guatemala. I was working in Christian education and teaching at a Baptist seminary there. What year did you go to the Dominican Republic? 1969. 1969. You guys weren't around either. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. We're not. Yeah. What was the, uh, like how built up or how rural was the Dominican Republic at that time? Well, Trujillo had been a dictator there for 30-some years, and mm. he had just been killed. So when I was there, it was filled with American Marines and uh, barbed wire fences everywhere. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So it was quite a, not not what the DR looks like today, definitely. <laughs> sure. When I was home on one of my stateside assignments, I was asked to teach at my alma mater, California Baptist University. And so while I was there, I was teaching missions trying to get young people excited about these unreached people groups. Well, as a teacher, of course, I assigned my students the uh, homework of finding an unreached people group and researching it. And, of course, as a teacher, I had to do the same thing. Well, I'm a blonde, you know, and so <laughs> we like things simple. And I went through the list and the names. And, I mean, it's some of these unreached people groups, you know, they start with a Q and an X and a W and a J, and, and you can't even pronounce it. So I started with the A's. I went down to the B's. I got down to the Dong, D-O-N-G. I could spell it. Mm -hmm. I could pronounce it. And I knew I could remember it because I used to tell people, my name is Yvonne. It rhymes with Avon, but I'm not the ding-dong lady. <laughs> <laughs> So in a very spiritual that's a t-shirt. <laughs> in a very spiritual way, I picked out this people group to begin to pray for and to research them. And uh, in the meantime, I found out there was 3.1 million Dong people oh, wow. in in China, and they were foreigners because they'd just been there 3,000 years. <laughs> and, and simulated into the culture yet. They lived high, high in the mountains, the lower Himalayas, from about 8,000 feet above. Uh, that's where they begin living in, in on up. But they live in very um, high mountain peaks that go up and down and up and down. And I guess the part that really got to my heart, I found a copy. Actually, it wasn't a copy because there wasn't any copies in those days. It was a photograph of an old letter that someone had written in 1892 wow. saying, we know there's people up in those mountains. We see the smoke. It's on a regular basis, so we know people live there. Would somebody come next year and share the gospel? 1892. Oh, wow. And wow. This was in 1992, 100 years ago oh, by, and nobody responded. 
And so through a series of events, God called me to go to China to work with the Dong people. Wow. Wow. So That's while okay. she was in China, uh, my family and I were still in Guatemala. And in um, 98, a series of things took place with the International Mission Board, some administrative changes, and, uh, and we were led to come back to, to the United States. And I started working with uh, Texas Baptist in their um, missions department. And in the process, uh, we just we got an invitation from a group in China to partner with them. And so the guy that I worked with and, and I were going to go over kind of on a survey trip. And um, I looked at him one day and I said, do you know anything about China? And he said, no. And he said, do you? I said, no. I said, but I know uh, a lady that's serving over there. And I said, I'll see if I can get in touch with her. And maybe I knew she was living in Hong Kong and, you know, having to go in and out. I said, maybe when we go through Hong Kong, she can meet us and kind of give us some orientation. And so I wrote to the, or called the International Mission Board, and I said, can you give me the, the contact information for Yvonne Hilton is her maiden name? And they said, uh, no, we can't do that. That's classified. <laughs> and I thought, So well, this was early 90s, correct? Yeah. And I mean, well, there 98. Oh, yeah, my oh. wife died. I had not forgot to say that. <laughs> well, well, right yeah. after, right well after. I mean, we don't want to just gloss over that. We're, <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to come died. back to that maybe a little more. <laughs> but in the early 90s, yeah. I mean, there were no internet, right? So is it letters and phone calls? And then you're, I mean, you're calling the other side of the world. So time zone is a big deal. And right. What, I mean, how easy was it to make contact doing those kind of things? Well, it, it, we did have e email and that kind of thing. Uh, but I mean, wasn't quite in the dark ages, but almost. Uh, <laughs> so what what year so, did, what year did you go to China? Ninety two. Ninety two. Ninety two is when you went. Yeah, and then when we came home, and, and I'd only been here about a year, is when my wife passed away, and so, uh, and in the meantime, then that's when we started this project with China, mm. and we're trying to find her so we could get some orientation, and so, um, anyway. And since IMB wouldn't give me the her contact information, I just called some of our mutual friends in Guatemala and said, can you tell me how to get in touch with Yvonne? And they said, well, yeah, here's her email. <laughs> and so, I mean, that's how classified things are. Nice. Anyway, so we were able to get in touch with her, and sure enough, when we went through, um, we met with her, and, uh, and uh, she gave us orientation, and she's been orienting me ever since. <laughs> now, most people go to China and they buy these beautiful silk neckties. But Joe went to China; he just got his neck tied. <laughs> no. So, no, God, God used God used that uh, reconnection there to kind of start up the friendship again, and uh, and uh, so through email and phone calls we communicated, and then uh, she came home for. Uh, furlough for stateside assignment and then we were able to spend some time together and and uh, just felt like god was leading our lives together and and uh, we ended up getting married 21 years ago and it's been a happy ride so far <laughs> that's a great synopsis we're gonna unpack that's some a, of that i think a little that's exciting good. story J joe tells stories like we would here here you go here's the high points <laughs> all right let's let's move it on people next subject <laughs> When you went to China, did you speak the language? <laughs> no, I did not. 
And the people group I was working with, they didn't either. So at least we had something in common oh, with wow. them. Uh, the Chinese language is four tones. The Cantonese language is seven tones. But the people group that I was going to work with was 15 tones. Wow. wow. It's the most tonal known language with no grammatical patterns. And everybody's going to look at me and like, what is a grammatical pattern? Well, let me let me tell you. Please, yes. <laughs> a grammatical pattern is like, this is a book, this is a house, this is this, and you can put another noun into it. That's a grammatical pattern. Their language, because they had lived in so much isolation, was basically catchphrases. And so you would, you know, sort of like, you know, we have all these slang little phrases. Well, that's the way their language was, so there was not a pattern. You couldn't substitute. Substitute in, like we say, got it. Well, you can't substitute something else in for that because that's the phrase. And so their language. Uh, <laughs> it's like speaking in movie quotes all the time. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a good, good illustration of your movie wow. quotes. Wow. And so uh, I remember telling God, uh, are you sure about this? <laughs> and um, because, you know, I was not young anymore and, you know, having already served uh, 20 almost 20 years with the board, I, you know, I'd been around a little bit. And so uh, learning a new language was quite a challenge. But um, what actually happened is God's smarter than us, of course. I thought yes. he was going to send one little blonde over to the mountains <laughs> by myself, you know, and something was going to happen. But as God was calling me, he was stirring among the nations. And I say the nations because... My team ended up being from nine different nations, speaking seven different languages, oh <laughs> from eight different sending organizations. Wow. And so our team just, God just brought us together. In that time, in the in 92, there was no internet. <laughs> we, <laughs> wow. didn't, we didn't yeah. post, hey, we're going to do this, y'all. Y'all want to come, you <laughs> yeah. know. But God was, in his way, in his wisdom, he was knocking on people's hearts and stirring them. And in ways that I couldn't even try to imagine, he brought us together as a team. Uh, well, we never really got together as a team because we couldn't get together. <laughs> but he brought us together as people, and and we uh, were able to, as a team, uh, make the um, the parts of the New Testament in their language. It's not written because they don't read. It's an oral language. Hmm. And we also have the, the uh, Jesus film, which is exactly the book of Luke. It's also in their language as well. And so that was the, the big things that we were working on, trying to make the gospel available to them. Hmm. What were the laws in China at that time as far as evangelizing to uh, no. as a Christian? No, you can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so same as today. <laughs> yeah, same as yeah. today. No, Nothing's changed. Except my people group... We're high in the mountains. We're in what they call an uh, uh, autonomous region. And autonomous to them means basically uh, you don't bother us and we won't bother you, meaning you have no roads, no electricity, no schools, no hospitals, no, no anything. You don't bother us up in those mountains and just don't exist. And they're foreigners anyway. I mean, you know, 3,000 years, of course you're a foreigner. We're <laughs> there. Were they accepting of you coming in no. since they were so no. isolated and no. all that good no. stuff? How? No, not at all. <laughs> how long did it take for y'all to kind of well, establish that rapport with them? And 
like I say, we were a team, you know, but we never got together as a team. We were individuals doing different things. And so we had, like some of our team members actually put in a chopstick factory making chopsticks, you know, the disposable kind out of bamboo. And uh, they were Korean. (laughs) And so they looked more like, uh uh-oh. I just dropped these. No, it's all right. <laughs> they, can't we can't break it. They're yeah. cheap. <laughs> <laughs> they they look more like like Asians than you might realize. I looked, and uh, we had others on our team that were Asians that that okay. had a lot more of um, accessibility, but the language barrier was huge. Mm. The only people that really learned the language very well at all. Remember, I, I mentioned that Cantonese is seven tones. Mm-hmm. So my seven tone Cantonese speakers were closer to learning the language, even though the Chinese speakers that spoke just four tones, they still couldn't distinguish all the different tones and wow. sounds. And so that's, that's gotcha. why it was quite quite complicated. Okay, that, I mean, yeah, that's a lot of people yeah. say Cantonese is one of the hardest languages to learn today, and it's twice as hard or twice as many <laughs> tones as that. Wow. That's ridiculous. That is. So they were 8,000 feet up or so in the right, mountains where the they mountains. started? How, right. how far away did you all stay? Well, the first time I went in to, to see my people group, we went, we flew in as far as we could fly. We got on a bus. We got on a train and went as far as the trains would go. We got on a bus as far as the bus would go. We went, we went as far as a little tiny bus would go. And then we got in a boat and we started up the rivers. And the rain came down and the floods came up and the rains came down. <laughs> we traveled for three weeks and I never saw one of my people group. Wow. And that's when I realized how, how isolated they were. You don't bump into them. You don't go at the wrong time of the year. You don't go by the map on how to get there. <laughs> by wow. the map, it looked like this way would be an easier way to get in. And the man leading us in, he, he assured us he knew how to do it, but he was wrong. <laughs> oh, wow. I saw some smoke on the mountain <laughs> yeah. one time. I think that Let's keep going that yeah. way. And so Let's we keep going up. You had to go through a different province entirely, so you coming down on them instead of going up to, to them. Hmm. And so it was, it was quite, it took about a week to get in. They were isolated. They weren't going yeah. to just hear the gospel by, right. you know, turning on their, their televisions <laughs> <laughs> and hearing the gospel. That somebody wow. had to go. And we had uh, a group of people that were willing to make that, mm. that commitment. There's 3.1 million Dong people. And so uh, there's a lot of people that had never, ever in their life even had any notion of the name of God. And so praise God today. There's a thriving church. There's a bunch of believers <laughs> that are sharing Christ. It's awesome. We've had opportunity to, uh, not only through her ministry in the Dong uh, world, to get the Jesus film, you know, the Jesus mm-hmm. film, uh, into the native language so they can understand it. But uh, also part of our work in Central America was uh, kind of looking to see where else we could maybe make a penetration for the gospel. And um, one day my associate and I were looking at the map and just kind of praying over it, and uh, God just kind of laid Iceland and Greenland on, on my heart. And so, again, I went to the, uh, to the IMB administration. I said, uh, do we have anybody that's working in Iceland and Greenland? And he said, no. 
And so we began to talk and pray about that, and and the internet was just getting started. And so um, he was a little bit more proficient than I was, and I said, why don't you see if you can make some contact with some folks up there? And he did, and he came back, and there was a young guy working with um, YWAM, Youth, uh, Youth with a Mission group. And he said, yeah, we'd be happy for you guys to come and see what the needs are. So uh, he and I decided to go, and we got there. We went first to Iceland, and we met a, a young couple there and, and were able to have some good conversation and, and, and got the groundwork established. And then we went on over to Greenland and met this young man. And they, they happened to be having a, a meeting of a group of pastors and so we met with those, uh, with that group. And it was the first time I had uh, uh, reindeer stew. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> reindeer we, stew. We, we had reindeer that sounds stew. delicious. <laughs> yeah. Would you try a bite, Fano? <laughs> Probably not. Well, over, depends, over, on, depends on how hungry you are. Poor Rudolph. Poor yeah, Rudolph. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I don't <laughs> have sympathy over, for Over in Iceland, they, they fed me uh, uh, whale steak. Well, steak. And that's not very good either. It tastes kind of like liver. <laughs> Thought anyway, be a little fatty. Yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we were with this group of pastors, and that was back in the days when they were doing the Jesus marches. I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember that mm. or not, but that was like, in the nineties. Like in a, a, mm. a group, we remember the nineties. <laughs> I was just a young pup. Yeah. Well, anyway, it, there was kind of a movement among evangelical churches of all kinds. They would get together in a certain geographical area, and they would do what they called a Jesus march, and they would just march mm. through their town, praying over the town and taking opportunities to share the gospel. If you know, if, if God opened the door, and so they had already planned to do one in this little town where where we were, and so we we were walking along doing the the Jesus march, and I looked over and I saw this other uh, Anglo-looking guy and. And I thought, well, he's kind of out of place here, too. And so I started talking to him. I said, uh, you know, we got started talking. I said, you know, who are you and what do you do? And he turned out he was with Campus Crusade, the people who oh, wow. produce the Jesus film. <laughs> and I said, well, what are you doing here in 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 Greenland? And he said, well, he said, we've got all the pieces together to put the Jesus film in the Greenlandic language. He said, we've got the, the speakers. We've got everything else. And I said, what else you need? He said $25,000. And so uh, it turned out the, the governor of Greenland was going to be the voice of Jesus on the. Uh, <laughs> oh, that is awesome. And so anyway, we, we began to talk and pray, and we came back and, uh, and began to look at our budget. And because of the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and, and faithful giving of Southern Baptist, uh, we were able to find that amount of money and were able to get the, the uh, Jesus film in Greenlandic. Wow. And you say, well, it's a big deal. There are only three, you know, 30,000 of them. But the, the issue is that right, most of the year it's dark. You right. know, in the wintertime, it's, it's just dark. And so alcoholism is a mm. major problem. Mm. And so one of the reasons why they were interested in getting the Jesus film was they said, in the wintertime, if they've got, say, they watch anything. I mean, what do you do? I mean, you can't, <laughs> yeah. can't do anything else. And they, they said, we can put a, a copy of the Jesus film in every home in Greenland if we only had it. And so through that, Southern Baptists were able to have a part in helping to put the Jesus film wow. in the hands of the, of the people in Greenland. 
we're worried when daylight savings time goes away, yeah. right? Yeah. They're like, that's every day. Yeah. It's dark. Do you speak Greenlandic? No. Okay. No. Do they speak English there at all? Or? Well, some some <coughs> do. I mean, it, it was a Danish, uh, you know, a, a province of Dan- of Denmark. Okay. And since they, you know. We, we couldn't buy it because it still belongs to Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so, so, Yvonne, you went to China in 1992. When did you come back to the States? What year? I married him in 2001. So how long had you been in the States when you all got married, I guess? Six months. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Hey, when you're our age, Not you don't waste time. <laughs> so o- almost 10 years in China. Yeah. Did ha- Language-wise, I- I'm, fa- I'm captivated by people <laughs> who can learn a new language. Yeah. What language, I mean, the Dong people, you're trying to learn their language as best right. you could. Were you also having to learn Chinese uh, yes, or Cantonese? Yes. I, and- I went to Beijing and I studied uh, six days a week, eight hours a day for two years. Wow. Yeah, just, you know, a little bit of time into it. Slightly. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I want to tell you how good I am. About after the first year, the teacher was passing out these papers, and and she uh, put a paper in front of me, and I looked, and, I mean, just nothing looked familiar. It just, I just, oh, it's awful. And I'm just sweating because none of the characters made sense. And she said, you have the paper upside down. <laughs> <laughs> That's something I would do. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, another time I was looking at a thing and I said, this looks so familiar, but I can't remember what it is. She said, That's your name. So, you know, I was really good at the characters. <laughs> they were really easy for me to, to, to learn and memorize. I mean, it's not, I, obviously, I don't know Chinese or Cantonese, but just such a different writing style that, I mean, it, doesn't make sense yeah. when I see it in a movie or whatever I'm watching. Yeah. It's like, what does that mean? I mean, might as well be hieroglyphics to me. You know? oh, yeah. Well, it is a type of hieroglyphics. Yeah, it's, see, it's I'm smarter sort of, than I thought. Yeah, see? it's yeah. sort of a sophisticated hieroglyphics. That's a good good description. Look but at that. Didn't even I'm know like it. you. I'm blown away for anybody that can learn a different <laughs> yeah. so, language and speak Did you already it, speak Spanish yes. when you went to China? Yes, yes. Yeah, I've already been in Guatemala 17 years. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it's neat how God works because um, after we got married, He opened the door for us to serve together in in Cuba, and so before we get there, hold on, before we get there, <laughs> what was it like? So you don't have to answer this, but how old were you when you got married? I was fifty three. Fifty three years old. You had not been married before. Not been correct? married. Been a single missionary for twenty seven years. Wow. I was confirmed omade. <laughs> I used to tell people, I'm going to get married whenever the Pope proposes. <laughs> <laughs> she never I got stationed it. in Italy though. So no, I, no. I love it. Yeah, no. so. Or or Vatican City, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So I was I was very I was very surprised. What was that like? being an older person, used to being single, used to being on your own to get married at, at in your 50s for the first time ever? Well, right after we got married, we, we went back to China. And as we were getting ready to go through customs, uh, our guest we had been through customs, he said, hand me your passport. And I said, I'm not going to hand you my passport. <laughs> I'm responsible for my passport. <laughs> and 
I had always preached that, that, you know, you were responsible for your passport. If you lose your passport, you've got to go to Beijing. You'll be there five days. Da, 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 da. And uh, so it was a few years before I trusted him with my passport. In fact, it was, we just got back from a trip, and I, and I asked her if she wanted her passport, and she said, Why? I said, well, I just wanted to make sure you, you were comfortable with me holding on to you. <laughs> Oh, that's great. That's funny. There obviously were major adjustments that you had to make, but anything else that comes to mind quickly that you could share with someone who may be going through the same thing? They're older well, and they're getting married for the first time. Well, it was sort of funny because at our wedding, um, everybody that came – were our friends. We didn't have a traditional wedding hardly at all because we sent out poems mm. on the internet. Okay. And we said only family come. And then all these other people thought they were family, so they showed up. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had all these MKs who came. And Tell them what an MK is. An MK, missionary kids. Mm. Uh, okay. Had, had come, and, and one of them said, well, I know they always called us uncle and aunt, you know, even though they're not any, any kind of blood relative. They said, well, I know Uncle Uncle Joe and Annie Vaughn wouldn't mind if I come. <laughs> so they came, brought their kids and family. In fact, one of them, during the reception, one of their kids ran into the table and split their oh. head by them. <laughs> so anyway, that was neither there. Well, I was just saying, though, that, that in a sense, even though we came from sort of two different worlds, we shared a world in common, mm -hmm. which was really interesting. <clears throat> I was able to watch his daughters grow up. He has three beautiful daughters, and the youngest one, I guess, was five when they first came in. And he used to travel all the time because he was the area director, so he was always in the air. But his wife and I were really good friends, and so when he was gone, his wife and I would do things together. When he came home, she didn't need me. <laughs> so I hardly knew him. <laughs> but I, I did have the opportunity, so I think it was, it was really special that his daughters and I had already had a long-term, very long-term relationship. That's really neat. In fact, his... Um, I guess his younger daughter had been out in China with the group before that, and I'd just seen her a few months, you know, <laughs> before um, before her mother died and everything. So the the family relationship was already there. They, you know, but one of our MKs was worried. They said, "If Uncle Joe marries Annie Vaughn, is that incest?" <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> That's great. God preparing you for something you didn't even know was, was not, coming. Not on for my sure. plans. Yeah. All right. So we, we got that out of the way. Now you come back. You go to Cuba. What happens in Cuba? Well, I was going to let her give you God's math. Well, everybody wonders, you know, Guatemala, China, mm -hmm. and then Cuba. And I said, think about it. This is God's math. Spanish, communism, you put them together. Only one place in the world can you serve nets. Cuba. <laughs> and so I, I, I'm reminded over and over, God does not waste anything of our experiences. Mm. Everything that we've ever done, everything we've ever thought of doing, it seems like sometime in your life, that's going to come back and God's going to weave that back into your life for, to bring honor and glory to him. And it mm. just, that's, that's been so true in our lives that he weaved us together. But we do have an untraditional marriage. We only got married on a contract for 50 years. In the 50 years, we're going to see that. if really we good. want to go on and renew it for another 50 years, <laughs> <laughs> or do we want to go on and make it permanent? Yeah. Tell him how old you'll be. At the end of the 50 years, I'll only be 108. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, Joe. You never know. You never know. You never know. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my dad made it 96. never know. <laughs> modern, modern medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there right. you go. Yeah. So Cuba, so, how, how long were you in Cuba? 
um, almost five years and total. We, uh, How much freedom do you have in Cuba? Because, I mean, it's... Well, we I, couldn't I, live there, obviously. We, we lived in South Florida. Okay. And so we would go in four or five times a year. Okay. And, uh, and <clears throat> we first tried just going in, you know, just to be an encouragement to the, to the churches. We, we related primarily to the churches, Baptist churches on the eastern side of the island. And there's a, a mountain range right in the middle. And so back in the 1800s, uh, uh, the, the American Baptist and Southern Baptist came to an agreement that the American Baptist would work on the southern end and the and the Southern Baptist would work on the western end over there and because of the you know the difficulty of travel. Well, it's not there anymore, and so there's kind of an intermingling of, of the two groups, a, a good close working relationship. Anyway, we worked with the ones on the east. And the, and the east <laughs> meaning Guantanamo, yeah, that's they, what most people understand yeah, is gotcha. the east is Guantanamo, Guantanamo okay. Bay. We, of course, did not go to the Guantanamo Bay area, but we okay. were on that side of the island. Right, we, gotcha. we went to Guantanamo City. There's a, there is a town called Guantanamo. And then the bay part, I mean, the, the American base is just a little sliver down at the end there. How we got there was we were working with the Internet, with the, uh, with the Missionary Orientation Training Program at the IMB, and we'd been doing that for about four years. And every time we would go to the commissioning service, we'd look at each other and, you know, kind of not say anything, but there was always that question in our mind about, what, could we do this again? And, and so uh, we uh, went back through the appointment process and everything and, and had to go through the whole thing as if we were brand new, you know, 20-something years of experience, both of us, but we still had to go through the whole thing because we were now married and, uh, and had been out of the system long enough. We had to go through it. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so anyway, we were reappointed and, and and went down to work on that end, and, and it it was kind of like the the icing on the cake for our our missionary career, just to see what God was doing because we were there right at, right as the as the church growth movement was beginning to plateau. It, it was it had just been a tremendous growth of mm. the church in Cuba, and. Uh, and we were able to see some of that and experience. Uh, it, it was just kind of like walking back into the book of Acts to see mm-hmm. the faith of, of the people and tell them about the lady with, the, you know, just finding the button. Um, I guess it was a pastor's retreat, and we were with one of the women, and we said, does anyone have a praise item? And this lady raised her hand. She said, oh, I praise God. And she said, why? And she said, well, this morning my husband put on his pants and the button broke. And we don't have any buttons. And that's the only pair of pants he has. And so we just prayed. And she said, we walk into the street, and I looked down, and there was a shiny button. <laughs> and it just fit the hole. And she was praising the God for a button. Wow. wow. And I was so humbled to think of, you know, if our button comes off, we just mm-hmm. grab another pair. Yeah. You know, if, if yeah. something. And um, we have several stories. Um one of the ladies, um, her family had come to visit her, and they brought her a bar of palm olive soap. And she was saving it for a special occasion <laughs> because soap is a, it's, it's just not available. And palm olive soap, I mean, that actually has a smell to it. It doesn't right. smell like the kind of stuff they give them that smells like <laughs> P. 
pig. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> and so <laughs> it does. It smells like pig. <laughs> and lard based. Lard based, yeah. Mm. And so the church was going to have a. There'd been a horrible um, hurricane go across the island, and so the church was collecting things to give. And this this uh, church got together. They were gathering their their resources and everything to go out to help the people. And the lady um, went up to the pastor and. She said, I don't have any money, but I have this bar of soap. Oh, wow. I've been saving it. And again, you're just so humble because we think of a bar of soap. That's mm-hmm. so common. And the whole team was so excited because they all got to share together the palm olive soap. Wow. That's great. Yeah. I mean, just is. totally different perspective. Oh, completely. Oh, yeah. completely. For sure. Yeah. I told the story about Uganda and the kid with the stick, the toy stick. I told that story. A stick on wheels. I don't remember that. I don't remember no. you doing. So uh, along the same lines of in America, how uh, in a bubble we are and third world countries, a lot of Americans can't really comprehend what that really means or what that is. But I was in Uganda and we were eating lunch in this tiny little village and I had a bag of Tootsie Rolls I took with me to give out to kids. So I was giving kids to camp and they – I gave it to a couple. We had a translator with us, and he said, gave it to a couple kids. They ran off, and our translator, Jimmy, he said, they're going to get the rest of the kids yeah. in the village. <laughs> and a few minutes later, I mean, there's just dozens of kids right. there coming up one at a time, and I'd give them a Tootsie Roll, and they'd say thank you. And um, There was a kid there, and he had a stick just a couple feet long. On the bottom of it was a, another stick tied to it, and it had kind of like a um, like an old spool from like an old thread or something, like little wheels, kind of like, uh, what do they call that? Uh, Lincoln Logs, like Tinker oh, Toys, yeah, yeah, those yeah. kind of little things. Yeah. So he had literally had a stick on wheels, oh, wow. and that was his toy, and he was the king kid. <laughs> like he had the, other kids would walk up to him and speak to him, and he'd nod his head, and they'd just put their finger on that stick. <laughs> they got to touch it. Wow. And so Jimmy was telling us, he said, his dad probably found those wheels or something or did some work for somebody and got those wheels and made mm-hmm. that. And he said, "That's these none of the other kids have a toy. His toy is a stick on wheels. That's crazy. But and my like, kid's complaining about not having seven dresses yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. From, yeah. Di- from Disney.com. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's a total different mindset yeah. from a button or a bar of soap or a stick on wheels. Tell yeah. about the light bulb. Yeah. And just turning towards prayer. To I mean, you're mm-hmm. praying for a button. That's and just being yeah. grateful for how God provides. You know, and looking to him to provide for the simple thing. Mm-hmm. We visited one of the young pastors out in the boondocks. And <laughs> he uh, he was telling us about it. He's all excited because he, he said, I want you to see my, the new parsonage. <laughs> and he took us over to this little lean-to thing that they'd built out of, you know, like when you go to the lumber, to the sawmill, and they and they – or sawing the log, and those first few swipes across, you know, you just get the slag piece. Mm-hmm. That's what he collected, all of those. So they let him have them. Mm-hmm. And that's what he built his house out of. Oh, wow. And he said, but what I'm really proud of is the kitchen. And he took us into the kitchen, and uh, and he said, uh, it was kind of dark in there, and he said, I, I wondered how I was going to make it light enough in here for my wife to be able to, you know, do the kitchen work. And he said... Uh, we were able to get electricity, and he, he said, look, here's here's my little, what, how we got electricity. 
And so he, he took me to show me one of the little outlets. And it was just a piece of plywood, you know, a little plywood box. And over the front of it was a piece of cardboard <laughs> with two little holes and a bare, a bare wire sticking out. Oh, my goodness. And, oh, my goodness. So he said, you know, we've, we've got electricity in the house. But he said, I was wondering how I was going to fix that, uh, you know, that light in there. And he said, uh, I, I finally got a light bulb, but he said, I didn't have anything to put it in. So he said, I, was, I went out to burn the trash one oh, day, no. and he said, I was looking around, and he said, I saw this thing, and he said, that would be just about the size I need for that, uh, <laughs> you know, to screw the light bulb in. You know what it was? It was like a band roll-on deodorant, you know, that little thing oh, where the ball goodness. goes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so he took that little place where the ball was, and he tacked it on. On It was just a, a, a piece of... A, kind of like a sapling he'd cut and cut, put across. He tacked it on there, ran those bare wires over to it and dropped them down in and screwed the bulb right up to it. <laughs> and when she wanted light, she'd tighten it up. Wow. She, <laughs> but he was so that proud. That is amazing. So <laughs> proud of his uh, his invention. <laughs> One of the pastors was telling us about, uh, he, he uh, they'd had a, an evangelistic uh, revival and uh, this guy had become a Christian. His wife had had been a believer for a while, but he not him because he was in the in the military, and of course there, of course the military couldn't identify with uh, a, you know an evangelical church group that would just be unheard of. But anyway, now he just retired, and he'd come started coming to church with his wife, and he'd come to know the Lord as his savior, and so he wanted to be baptized, and so they had a big baptismal service, and and so. The pastor said he he uh, had baptized uh, some people, and then this guy baptized him, and he went on, the soldier went on up, you know, out of the water and was up on the bank. And so the pastor finished baptizing the rest of the people that had, you know, were, were there to be baptized. And then he started up out of the water, there's a river, out of the water up the bank, and the soldier was there, reached down to grab his hand and help him up. And he said, when he got up there, the the soldier says, said, Pastor, I, I need to talk to you. And the pastor said, well, look, he said, I'm soaking wet. He said, let me change clothes and then we can talk. And he said, no. He said, what I've got to say can't wait. And he said, well, okay, what is it? And he said, the guy stood at attention and saluted. And he said, Pastor, he said, for 20 years, he said, I've served in the secular army. I know what it is to give orders and take orders. And he said, now I'm ready to serve in the Lord's army. Tell me what to do. Oh, wow. Love it. <laughs> Mirrors a, a story in the Bible very closely. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Wow. What was it like working as a married missionary? You had spent your whole career as a single missionary. What was it like now working as a married missionary? Well, we worked together as a team. I don't. I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> 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 but it seemed like immediately. We just sort of fell into place. I, I guess I've always been a part of a team, and so he became my teammate. <laughs> he, he, was, just, he just never went home. He, yeah, was, right. he, he was my boss, and now he's there. my teammate, you know. And so I guess that was that was pretty easy, actually, because, like I say, I, I'd known him, of course, in a whole different way, right. but mm-hmm. I knew who he was, and I knew his personality and everything, and so we just became a team. And 
Uh, people ask, what did we do in Cuba? Because we were only there part of the time. But in Cuba, we did outside everything the people couldn't do inside. (laughs) An example was, there's not a Bible bookstore. You can't go buy a Bible in Cuba. And so to get a Bible, um, we had some printed. Of course, to have them printed, we had them printed in Korea, shipped to Mexico, then to Colombia to come into Cuba, you know. (laughs) And then they were distributed by the government again. (laughs) But everything you did was was nine steps more. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so what we tried to do was make um, materials available to to the believers and to the leaders. We we were basically trying to help support the seminary and, and the pastors and the convention to have them have materials available. And so those are the kinds of activities we were doing outside. I mentioned one hurricane. seemed like every hurricane loves Cuba. They just go across <laughs> it all the time. Got a magnet on them. Yeah. And so several times we were able to, um, I mean, physically fill up a, a ocean, ocean container <laughs> and ship into Cuba and things like that that um, the Cubans themselves couldn't do so it was it was mm. a very different role because usually we had been we use the word incarnate which means body you know <laughs> we talk about the incarnation of Jesus and that as missionaries we feel like we are the incarnate of Christ that we are physically walking among the people where in, in Cuba we were physically walking in a different way but everything we were doing was to, to help support them because inside they, they didn't have any resources. I can't tell you how many times we've been to the store with lots of money in our pocket, and we left the store with lots Lots of money money in our pocket, but very little (laughs) on the shelf. (laughs) So after Cuba, what was next? Did did you all serve somewhere else, or was was that the last spot? Well, then we came to Parkway. Okay. And uh, we lived in the missionary house, and uh, then we uh, were, were there for four months, I guess, three or four months. And uh, our plan, we came, we hadn't planned to retire when we did. But my dad was a pastor in up in Kentucky, in, up in his 90s. And his wife passed away. And we felt like... I felt wife like, number three. Yeah, he outlived three yeah. women. Oh, wow. <laughs> so Impressive. anyway, I, I felt like it was my turn to do some family duty. I'd been gone all these years. And my siblings had, you know, stepped up and, and allowed us me to be able to do what I felt like God was calling me to do. So I felt like it's time for us to do that. And so we came and I said, Dad, we love you, but we can't live in that little town where you are. But <laughs> no uh, way. We'll, we'll, we'll live in Nashville and be, you know, available. Y- Yvonne had been in the mountains of China uh, enough. Yeah. 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 The yeah. mountains yeah. of Kentucky. Enough no. of that rule. No. Uh, They've got two stoplights now. Hey. They used to just have one. So. Nice. And nobody knows how many... Uh, you know, what the syllables and stuff are, how many there are in Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> right. Still figuring that well, out. When we go yeah. to Missouri, I still have to translate for it. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm from California, so, you know. <laughs> but anyway, the, we we were looking for a place to, to stay, and Parkway's house happened to be available for three months. So we said, well, we'll live there three months, and then we worked with another couple of churches in, in the area, and we had it worked out where we had a year. We had a year's furlough coming. And so we said, well, we'll live there a while, and then we'll live in these other, and we'll figure out where we want to be. Mm-hmm. Well, while we were here, we found the place where we are out in Hendersonville, Gallatin area. 
and uh, went ahead and bought it. And we tried two or three churches out there, and we'd look at each other and say, that's not quite it. <laughs> and so we ended up coming back to Parkway. And uh, in the process, we felt like God was leading us and some other folks to start the ESL ministry. Mm. And so that's where we've dedicated a good bit of our time. And then out of that grew the, the Pan de Vida Sunday school class. <laughs> and so that's pretty well where we've been focused. Well, that, that answered my next question. We don't know what anyone does when they retire because we're <laughs> not there yet. But nope. my question was going to be, what, what does a missionary do when they retire? Start a booming Sunday school class. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we, we're sort of unique in the fact that we're retired, but our middle daughter and her husband, they're missionaries in Italy. And oh. so we, of course, as grandparents, <laughs> sacrificially have to go to Italy very frequently. Wow. It's oh, a wow. tough job, but That's, somebody's got to do it. That must so be, that must so be terrible. I, that must I, be absolutely terrible. I, I, I hate that for y'all. I, 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 can, tell, I can tell that. And so we've, we've, we have every year, unless they come here, we, we go to Italy. We stay about a month. We don't stay with our kids that long because we're still speaking, you know. But, <laughs> 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 but we, we go and we stay a few days and then we take off to another country, you know, and give them a break. Then we go back and harass them again and go back and forth <laughs> that way. But uh, th- that way, especially when the kids were little, they, they sort of forget who you are. So you go and you greet them. Then you leave and they come back. They're all excited to see you because <laughs> they remembered you from last yes. week, you yeah. know. <laughs> and so anyway, that's been our privilege. And so now we have two of our, our missionary daughters, granddaughters, are in college here in, in Tennessee. It's one's at Union, the other one's at um, uh, Carson, Carson Newman. And so we're sort of in the middle. So we're sort of the home base for right. our granddaughters as well because <laughs> we do understand the importance for for, for the uh, missionary children to feel like they have a home in America. Mm. So we've tried to sort of create that that home for them, and so that's that's one mm. of our, our responsibilities. We also, because we have been so p- much part, we're very much part of the missionary <laughs> retiree group. We have a group that meets here in, in Tennessee. But every time uh, anybody needs a cl- crisis, even though... He's not been their boss for how many years? They still call him <laughs> for <laughs> advice, for information, for everything. It's so funny there. I said, you should know what, you know, would you tell Richmond this and that? And so even though he is no longer officially that, that's what he still does. And so we're, nice. we're, we're amazed at, at uh, how many years later they still think of him as their boss. <laughs> I don't. But, <laughs> but many of his... his the people he worked with, they still call him boss. Well, I'm glad God brought you two together because if not, these month-long trips in Italy, she'd be chasing the Pope trying to get that engagement. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Constant chase. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joe, Yvonne, thank you both so much for coming. And thank you. We, we know we can't cram a lifetime of experience and stories into an hour, but we, we did pretty well, I think. So thank yeah. you for coming, sharing some stories, sharing your life with and. Do, it was great. Do have Thank one thing. Like what what advice would you give? Because I didn't know anything about a mission trip until I actually went on one. So what advice would you give to someone that has never gone on a mission trip and just is thinking about going on a mission trip? What what would you say to them before they went on that? Just Well, you know, a lot of clubs you have to do orientation or initiation to be called a club member. 
I think church membership ought to include <laughs> a mandatory mission trip yes. <laughs> somewhere because it does open your eyes. Mm-hmm. You will see parts of God's world that you've never seen before, and you will experience um, the family of believers in a whole new way. You'll realize that that language and and skin and eye shape and everything else that you worried about has no significance in the family of God. And um, I heard someone say recently, with love, language is not a barrier. Mm. <laughs> and I feel like everybody should have that opportunity. Yeah. And I would add, you will never take the Lord's Supper the same way again. Mm. Because uh, as you take the Lord's Supper, you remember he instituted this with his disciples. Mm. And from then on, Believers have been doing that same thing, remembering until he comes back. And and when you've been with another group of believers that has a different language, different culture, different look from you, and you realize one of these days we're all going to be around the table. <laughs> and it's going to be like a big, long chain all the way from Jesus' day till he comes back again, and I'm just one of them, and I'm holding here and holding there. And it, it just changes your whole perspective on what it means to be part of God's family. Hmm. All right, Ryan, you got one for us today? I do, I do, I have one. So I am in First Thessalonians five sixteen through 18. Rejoice always, praise without ceasing. Give thanks to all in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you. Love that. Well, Joe, Yvonne, thank you again. We know you have plenty more stories. We may have you on again to come tell some stories. But maybe next time we just tell stories. That's it. That's perfect. That's perfect. Put right in around here. Sign them up. Put them on the calendar, boys. Deal. Book it. it. But uh, thank you all for listening. We will uh, see you all again next week. You know we love you. God loves you more. That's it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for listening to GPS to God. Please leave us a rating on your podcast app. And also subscribe on YouTube. Hit the bell if you would like to receive notifications when new episodes air.